You're listening to That Church Podcast with Justin Dean and Van Baird. We help digital communicators tell the best story the church has to tell. Learn more about our conference, regional workshops, and online training and resources at thatcc.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back into That Church Podcast for all of our listeners on iTunes and Stitcher and on our website. And for all of our pro members, welcome back into our video interview series. And uh, hey, Justin, we're on a roll. We've been doing back-to-backs on these. It's good to see you again, but, you know, I just saw you. <laughs> yeah, we do record these like almost every day now. So I'm I'm getting to see a lot of you. I personally, it brightens my day every time we get to connect, man. So, well, thanks for going there and taking the high road. That's so sweet. You actually just changed shirts. I just did another one and we just changed shirts. So that's how many <laughs> we should doing. do that. We should just like know. do 10 in a day and be done. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I'm not sure when this podcast will go up the date, but I'm sure it'll be end of May, closer to June. But yeah, we're in the throes of getting the Chicago workshop ready. We're, I think, 10 days away, 12 days away. It's like nine days away, man. Who's so, counting? Uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> But it's uh, if you're if you didn't get to the workshop, if you if you didn't know about how to watch it, if you're a pro member, you can watch our Chicago workshop, which is um, at this point was an intensive one day workshop where we had four speakers come in that are probably doing what you're doing in the church and talked on all kind of topics and actually gave some really valuable resources that you can implement right away for your church. Um, so be sure and check out thatcc.com if you'd like more information on not just the Chicago workshop, but the all of our Atlanta conferences, the San Diego workshop we've done in the past, and then all the other resources that I think are worth about five thousand dollars. But we only it's getting up there, man. We keep packing stuff in there, like just free stuff left and right from our partners and stuff we're creating. It is. I don't know if we should raise the rates or just what. It's forty nine dollars a month, and you can cancel. And I mean, nobody ever cancels, but yeah, it's a lot of stuff. So yeah, we're excited about that. But part of the growing process and, you know, getting out there and having conferences and doing this podcast on a regular basis, we have started crossing streams, so to speak, and bringing people in that, yes, they're in the church, but they have these really unique backgrounds. And today's guest is is one of those examples. Um, we were talking with Jeremy earlier, and we just kind of found each other in the Twitterverse. And um, he's taken his talents that he's been using in the professional world and started using them as a volunteer at his church. And so it's really my pleasure uh, to have a really cool conversation with Jeremy McPeak. Jeremy, how you doing, man? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Should Thanks I, for taking uh, the time out. Absolutely. If we decide to split this into two, I can change shirts at some point. <laughs> Part two, and we can, yeah. We've got we some clean laundry over here. We can, yeah. Nice. We haven't, we haven't had, I don't think, in the two-part series we've done before, we, we missed that. So it looks like we all did it in the same day. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we don't really think these things through. Plus, this is my only clean shirt right now. So <laughs> <laughs> it works. It looks good on you. <laughs> so, Jeremy, you got a unique story. Unique in that, I mean, how many people, you know, that do you, for all the listeners, how many people do you know that have been involved in the NBA, in the sports world? Um, which as a sports fan, I geek out at when I find out, you know, what your past life is and, you know, what your roles have been, but you, you've got a really unique story and I would love for you to fill everybody in on who you are and what you were doing for the, you know, um, for the, your NBA team and, and, uh, and yeah, just kind of introduce yourself. 
Sure. Yeah. It's a, I guess it's, I need to boil 25 years down into a minute or two probably, but um, I started working for the Phoenix Suns when I was in college at the age of 20 uh, back in 1992. So I arrived just uh, two or three months after Charles Barkley did. And I tell people I was the uh, throw in, in that trade. And gotcha. uh, it was, uh, the Suns went to the finals that year against the Chicago Bulls. And it was an amazing series. And I told all my wow. friends that, you know, we're going to, we're going to win all kinds of championships with Charles Barkley. And 24 years later, we still hadn't won a championship or been back to the finals, but right. <laughs> uh, certainly had a, a fun time with the Suns. And, you know, when I started, I was a journalism major in college and I wanted to be a sports writer and, and the Suns were the team that I grew up watching here in Phoenix. So I was really excited to, to get a job there, initially selling t-shirts in our team shop at the local mall. Wow. And then when I graduated, uh, from Arizona State University, I, I got a full-time job working on the team magazine. And then right around that same time, the NBA launched NBA.com. And uh, I actually remember I was in our PR director's office uh, when she got the fax uh, or the memo faxed across her fax machine announcing that the NBA was launching this uh, portal on the information superhighway and every team was going to be responsible for a page. And uh, she read the memo. She said, I don't know what this is. Why don't you do this? It to me. Wow, that's so good. And, um, and you know, I didn't really know what it was either. We didn't, we didn't have internet, we didn't have email, we didn't have smartphones. Um, so it was a completely different world when I started. But um, okay, really, first of all, what's a fax? Then, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then, second of all, like, so th- I've, I've read these different stories about domain names and all that. So, th- was that even a thing back then? Like custom URLs or having what was the that's original website? That's a great question. I honestly, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was sons.com from very early on, but I don't okay. know. I don't know uh, if the NBA was able to register that immediately at the beginning, but, okay. uh, but the NBA kind of set all of the pages up for every team. Gotcha. And, yeah. There was uh, a guy that held the Charlotte Hornets kind of yes. captive. Austin. Yeah. I remember that story. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> we, were, we were fortunate, I guess, to get to, to get yeah. sons, but, um, and I, so a lot of it was right place, right time for me. Um, I, I, kind of grew up in the, in the space, I guess. And even for those first few years, it was all about our team magazine. And occasionally we'd put one of the articles on the website, but after a while we started to realize that, uh, you know, we could reach fans in real time. And by uh, 2000, I think 2001, we ended up canceling our magazine and, uh, and saved the $200,000 a year we had in publishing costs and put all our focus on the website. So I grew up in the space and uh, was really, really fortunate to be there for the ride. How cool is that? I mean, to be at the beginning of something like that. It was fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was no pressure because nobody knew what it could become. And we just, we were able to experiment and try things and, and fail here and there, but we'd learn from it. And um, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate to to have that opportunity and be able to grow through that. And and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with digital communications and uh, interacting with fans who just like me, who were basketball fans that wanted to learn about our team and, I was able to be able to help tell that story um, initially through writing. And then we, we added video and then we added live video and then came along social media and then mobile apps. And so it just kept growing over, over the years. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So you were part of then really the NBA becoming a worldwide game because the internet is what gave birth to all the fans in China and, you know, in, in other countries that didn't really have access before then. Yeah, I think um, I think that certainly played a huge role in the expansion of the NBA as a global game for sure. 
um, early on when I when I started, the NBA was already starting to send teams over to different countries for preseason right. games. The Suns played a couple actually regular season games in Japan in 1991. Yeah, Utah Jazz. So the NBA was starting to branch out and try to reach right. you know fans in other countries, but the internet, yeah, completely changed that. And now there's you know more. There might be more NBA fans in China than there are here in in, in America. Well, That's I don't right. mean to, to spend too much time there. I'm setting you up for later in the podcast when we're going to like <laughs> draw a direct line to the church world. Sure, of course. This, but what do you? What did y'all even build that website off of? What kind of platform? I have no idea. Fascinates me. That was like that was pre AOL days. It was, yeah. And I know the early uh, the early CMS that we used was uh, was built by the NBA. Uh, okay. Or, you know, people they hired to build it custom for them, and uh, yeah, they didn't have WordPress or anything back then. Yeah. Oh no, we're on your own. It was it was painful. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at those days and and just shake my head because it would take you know take a half hour to put something up that today you could do in thirty seconds. So right. do you have screenshots of like what that looked like back then. Oh, Did I do. Like yeah. Linking glitter text and stuff. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a very narrow website and with lots of gaudy graphics and colors and. Yep really tiny thumbnail pictures and lots and lots of text. So yeah, not the prettiest thing in the world. Yeah. I remember when AOL, each team got their page or their site on AOL the channel. Yeah. And that was a big deal. <laughs> channel. God, I'm old. I'm invited to speak at uh, colleges from time to time. And I talk to these kids and I'm telling them about those early days and they just look at me like I've got three eyes because they have yeah. no idea the world was like without the internet or email or, or smartphones. No. Oh my gosh. So, so you made your way, you, you did something at the Super Bowl, right? In 2015. Tell us about that. I did. So, um, once social media really started to take off, I was, uh, invited to speak at a number of different conferences. And through that, I made some connections with people that needed help with their social media. So, I got involved with the uh, NFL Players Association and uh, kind of helped them launch their social media or really grow it, expand it for about three years and attended, uh, took vacation time from the Suns to attend a Super Bowl week with them for, uh, to cover all their events for them in real time. And wow. then when Arizona got the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 49, the, uh, the president of the uh, local uh, Super Bowl committee actually was a former Suns executive who knew me and, and knew my experience and so she asked the sons for uh, their blessing to kind of recruit me and, and bring me on board to manage all social media channels for the uh, Arizona Super Bowl. Um, so I did that for about 18 months, all in my spare time, nights, weekends, stoplights, uh, bathroom breaks, where I, wherever I could find a few minutes to retweet and post something. And, uh, and so I wait a minute, 49, was that, was that the interception? Was that Seattle? It was, yes. Yeah. Oh. The wow. internet blew up after that interception, I think. It did, yeah. And uh, it was, it's funny because I was down, um, after the game was over, I was down in the, the, the bowels of University of Phoenix Stadium and just happened to be walking past the Patriots uh, locker room when Tom Brady came out. Uh, after and you the took game. his jersey. <laughs> I, was, I, was at, I was at both of those Super Bowls where his jersey was stolen, which we'll actually be auctioning it off at the conference. <laughs> Yeah, to raise money for that church conference. Yeah. Uh, yes. But uh, I kind of followed him and I took my phone out and kind of put it down behind me and took a quick snap of him walking out of the building with just this big old smile on his face. And uh, so I, I posted that real quick on Instagram and, and Twitter and everywhere and said, Elvis has left the building. Oh, wow. And 
it, you know, it was just a simple, it wasn't the greatest photo in the world, but it was, you know, it had a nice smile and it was the uh, tweet that got the most views and impressions of anything I'd done in the 18 months prior to that. And because the, so the went out from your account or your personal account or from, no, the, from the AZ Super Bowl account. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. The, uh, the NFL retweeted, ESPN retweeted, the, the Patriots retweeted, and it just exploded. So, um, yeah, there was obviously a lot of love for Tom Brady uh, after that game. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest of all time. I'm not a Patriots <laughs> fan, but he's the greatest of all time. <laughs> Let's see if we can draw that line. Like, what can the church learn from Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just fascinating. And, I, and like Justin will tell you, you and I could just talk about that for the next 30 minutes. But – this is a podcast about, you know, church and all that. And um, you, you've got a faith and that you express in the form of being a dad and a, and a husband. And um, but you've also taken what you've learned and brought that to a local level at your local church. Talk about how that happened. And um, I mean, I'm sure like if you had walked into my church and said, hey, I want to help out with social media, it would have been like bending over backwards to make that happen. <laughs> but um, but how, how did that go down? Yeah, you know, um, over my last two or three years with the Suns, I had a couple different local churches um, reach out to me that uh, just different people I knew in those churches. And they said, hey, can you meet with us and just give us your thoughts on how to do social media? What we sh- what should we be doing uh, with social? And that was the first time that it really kind of hit me that maybe maybe I could use my talents uh, in different ways and actually help um, spread the gospel, help churches get the message out, um, help them grow. And uh, so I really was... Um, uh, humbled and grateful to be able to have that opportunity to help those those couple churches. So when we started attending attending Mountain Ridge uh, here in Glendale, um, I approached the uh, community pastor about the social media that they were doing, and and uh, he would he would gladly admit that I, I think at that time they really weren't doing a whole lot. You know, they might tweet uh, once every other week, and they they posted an Insta- Instagram or two a month. Um, so they really weren't doing a whole lot and, and, and they just didn't have the, the resources or time really to do a whole lot, which, which I understood. But, um, so early on, I kind of offered to give him some ideas and suggestions on how they could kind of grow it. And, um, but they still didn't have a whole lot of time. So, you know, after six months or so, I said, you know what, maybe, maybe I should help you. You know, I, I'm still, I've still got my job obviously, but I can offer a couple hours a week. I can take pictures during the sermon. I can tweet out some some quotes from the pastor. I can, when I'm taking my son to the uh, youth group on Wednesday night, I can get some video of the band playing uh, uh, praise and worship music for the kids. And I can help you kind of with social. So um, as kind of, as you referenced, they were very excited to just have, have that, uh, have that opportunity to have somebody who knew a little bit about social media to help them. And so they kind of just handed over the keys and and now I'm kind of running all the social channels um, when I can. And again, it's only, two or three hours a week this week for, you know, Easter. It's a little more than that, um, yeah. of course, but. Um, it's Easter but this week. Is it really? <laughs> ben I and guess. I don't work for our churches anymore. <laughs> no. I, guess this is a week for, I can't log into Facebook and any of the groups and not see all the Easter chatter. So, yeah. yeah. I guess if this podcast is going to air in May, I should say Memorial Day. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Memorial Day is coming up. So. Getting ready for 4th of July. So you're uh, doing all that on a volunteer basis, even still. I am, yes. Yeah. Just, wow. uh, again, three or four hours a week. I, they're, I feel they like probably we can't afford you any other way. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't even, I haven't even asked them about that. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know but, um, I, uh, I really love being able to do it. And at the same time, 
every single week, I feel like there's 200 more things I could do to add to it and enhance it and grow it. And, um, but it's, uh, it is tough when, when I'm not doing it full time, obviously. So what are you doing full time right now? You're doing consulting and social media strategy and things like that on your own or what's I am. Yeah. After, uh, after 24 years with the sons, I decided to uh, leave at the end of September, September and start my own business. Um, talked about with the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, host committee in Arizona. I I just loved it. And, uh, so I have been doing consulting since then and decided to give it a try and and go out on my own. And so I did the Houston Super Bowl this year. I'm working with the national women's soccer league right now, working with some athletes and sportscasters and sports executives, kind of helping grow their personal brands. Uh, but again, I really want to get into working with churches and consulting churches and just helping them. Cause I feel like there are so many churches that are either, uh, either scared and don't really know what to do with it. Um, or think it's, you know, it's a scary place to be. It's a risky place to be, or they just don't necessarily understand that it's such a powerful way to communicate people with, with people throughout the week between Sunday to Sunday that you can reach your own members all week long, in, uh, inspiring them, encouraging them, reminding them of events coming up, getting them more involved. Um, and I think, um, I think there's a lot of potential with social media to, to help churches. Well, what do you, what do you think the answer is like, what would you, what would you tell a church? Cause your church, you walked in and you've got all this experience and, and you just said, Hey, let me do this for you. And you're still doing it as a volunteer. Like that's a huge blessing to that church, but not every church has some guy walking in from the NBA saying, I know what I'm doing. Let me help you. <laughs> so like, we're like, we see this tension all the time. Do you outsource that? Do you raise up volunteers? Do you just you know, rearrange your budget and hire someone to do it? Like, what are, what are you doing to work with churches to, to help them get there? You know, it really depends on the situation they're in right now. Um, you know, typically I will go in and kind of audit what somebody's doing and take a look at all their channels and, and then give them feedback and maybe a strategy for where they can go moving forward. Um, I do think that um, churches that can afford it, I think they would benefit from having somebody full-time who can manage uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Periscope, Snapchat, even for the, the younger kids in the church, the junior high and high schoolers who will never, ever get on Facebook, um, but are using Snapchat all day long, um, helping set up live streams, helping do podcasts, helping do uh, blogs. I think, I think churches that can afford that and can find the budget for it, it would be really valuable to have somebody there full time on staff, being able to go out and cover different events in real time and cr- create and capture content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for those that don't have that uh, budget, I think that they can pull together, you know, a mini social media team, get uh, the youth pastor to uh, take some pictures at different events, get the community pastor to shoot a little video when uh, they're on a mission trip down to Mexico or, or over in Haiti uh, uh, spending a week. Um, have the, uh, the guy who, who shoots the video that goes up on the big screens at the church um, uh, edit out a two-minute video clip uh, that he can share with you from the worship or, or get someone, get, to get, get a young person who is on social media all the time and you know is a responsible person and member of your church to have, have them, encourage them to help with capturing some video during worship um, or taking some notes and maybe uh, being able to help craft some tweets uh, messages from the pastor with links back to the uh, the uh, full sermon on the podcast uh, of the, the church's podcast or the church's app. Um, so I think it's really is it really needs to be a team effort. Even in professional sports, when I was with the Suns, I wasn't able to do all those channels by myself. Um, I had a whole team of people that were helping out in different ways, and it, that may not have been their full time job. But if they thought, 
two, three times a week, oh, this is a good thing I can capture a picture for, of and send it to the guy who's kind of managing social on a day-to-day basis. That helps that social person get so much more content to be able to share during the course of the week. Well, there, there certainly are still churches that are um, kind of lagging behind and, and waiting, you know, to, to get on social media from a full-time basis. And I know it's, it's not completely linear because the technology's changed, but when you consider just if you borrow from the NBA, what the leap that they made in what, what year did you say it was? 95. 95, yeah. you know, to invest in, in that te- technology and all right, now we're going to have a website and we'll, what was that? You know, I mean, I forget the wording you used, but it wasn't even called the, the World Wide Web. It wasn't even <laughs> called the Internet yet. Um, information superhighway. Yeah, yeah, information superhighway. And <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, fast forward 30 years from there, you know, and, and look where they are now and what they've learned from it. So I think that would be an encouragement to anybody listening is that you, sometimes you just have to start. And there are still churches out there that haven't, you know, even gotten a Facebook page yet. Yeah. Um, so, but f- from building a volunteer team, what's, what's the, What's some of the things that you are doing with the Suns and doing for, you know, on, on the professional sports side that's translating really well on the church side? You know, I, I think there are so many similarities, to be honest. You know, with the church, with, I'm sorry, with the sports team, you're trying to, um, you're trying to tell stories on a regular basis that get the fans and followers more engaged in your team so that they want to follow it more closely, so that they want to buy tickets and come to games, so that they want to buy merchandise and wear the, the, uh, the jersey, and so they want to watch the broadcast. And in a very similar way with churches, we can tell stories. Uh, well, actually, the, the, the main story we're telling, of course, is the gospel, um, but we can also tell stories about what the church is doing out in the local community, what, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the teenager who just gave their life to Christ and, and was baptized and tell their story, their t- testimony, you can um, share the, the worship songs. There are so many different areas that you can share stories from and create content of and um, share that throughout the week. So you're not only inspiring people, but you're encouraging them to maybe follow up and, and open their Bible and read uh, the passage that the pastor was talking about that week. If they happen to, to miss the service or to uh, download the mobile app and listen to a sermon that they missed or to come to um, the uh, the the church picnic that they're having next Saturday night, um, whatever it is, it's, it's using social media to tell that story, to communicate pe- with people on a regular basis, inform them. In some ways you can entertain them. You can have fun. If your pastor, you know, our, our pastor loves to tell funny stories about his childhood and stuff. So sometimes I'll take his stories and I'll, I'll Photoshop his head on a, <laughs> a picture of a, a little boy uh, doing something silly that happened to go with what he was talking about. I'll post That's that. awesome. The people that uh, happen to be at church that week and they know what I'm talking about or they know what the reference is. That's um, fine. You can have fun, but you can also, um, you know, again, just inspire people with, with the word of God and, and, uh, and sharing that and getting them more involved. I love how when you described when you started at the church, just volunteering, how you just said, man, I just started taking photos and videos when I was out with my son at a different, you know, church events and things like that. I just started capturing life around you from your perspective and sharing that through the church. Like that's so easy. Like I think if we were to tell volunteers or tell people in the church, like, Hey, this is what we're looking for. We just, you know, it's already stuff that you're living out. We just need to capture it and tell that story and put it online. I think they would feel a lot more empowered to go, Oh, okay. I can help out with this. Like I could getting that perspective from all the different events and community groups and things like that, that stuff, 
a social media manager who's full-time at the church can't honestly capture that stuff unless they're, you know, out in the community as well. So you almost get a better perspective if you're able to, you know, empower the volunteers in that way. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the time people, the, these people who are volunteers, um, they're already taking pictures at these, these events, you know, it may be a picture of themselves doing something and, you know, the community work or picture of their kids involved in something. And they don't think to share that with anybody. They're, they're either posting it on their personal Facebook or they're just saving it in their camera roll. So yeah, I think if you um, sort of invite people to participate and, and let them know that you really want their help and, um, there's no pressure. They don't have to feel like they have to attend everything and take pictures of everything. But when they are at something that they feel like is a, is a neat event, um, they could just snap a couple pictures and text it over or email it to the, the social person. It's a huge help. I don't know if this will make it into the podcast, but I thought I would share this real quick. So if you're a pro member, um, we'll, we'll leave this in, but I'm going to share out um, when you, when you mentioned that you Photoshopped, you know, a child's face or your pastor's face onto a child, you know, the technology is getting more and more easier um, or more easier, I should say. Um, and as of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, Instagram just rolled out another um, little app. And uh, so what I'm showing on the screen is a picture of Justin that I can take a quick selfie and just implement my face right over. <laughs> <laughs> So you just move it around and put it wherever. I mean, this is just to make a point that, you know, it's getting easier and easier to be creative. To You finally look buff, Van. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working out. <laughs> so <laughs> Discard photo. Yeah, get rid of that. Yeah, discard that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just there's really no excuse anymore to even just do it badly as long as you're doing it, you'll learn. And, and, you know, I think the tools are going to get easier and easier. The new, the new clips app, you know, yes. on, yeah. on iPhone now is I think it's amazing. Uh, I love it. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you talked about um, uh, the NBA investing in building those websites. Initially churches don't have to invest a whole lot to get active in social media because all these platforms are free. Yep. Yeah, sure. You can buy some different equipment to have a, a little higher quality audio or a little higher quality video, or you can pay um, a social media manager, obviously, to manage everything. But the channels themselves are free. So you should be taking advantage of those because you can reach so many different people, not only your current members of the church, but other people in the community who may then uh, learn about your church and think, oh, that looks like a neat church. I, I want to come uh, try, you know, try that out next Sunday. Which channel are y'all getting the best engagement on right now, Jeremy? Probably Facebook still. It's our largest audience. Um, a lot of the members of our church are a little bit older, um, so they're using Facebook. But I would say Instagram's not far behind. Um, Twitter is probably the one that's trailing the most for us. Um, we have, we've got a much smaller audience on Twitter and not nearly the engagement there. Most of the retweets I get are from the, my, from the other pastors at the church. <laughs> uh, but, the, um, but, but Instagram gets a lot of impressions and views and likes. And, uh, and Facebook, of course, um, as well gets a gets really good engagement. I read uh, an article this morning that Instagram stories, so not Instagram, but the stories part of Instagram right. has surpassed 200 million users, which is larger than all of Snapchat and their users together. So, I mean, obviously they ripped that off and copied everything about it. <laughs> but now only a few months later, they have more users than all of Snapchat combined. So, I mean, Instagram is definitely blowing up there. It's crazy. 
with all the graphics too. It's not just young kids. It's everyone. Right. Instagram is my personal favorite social media channel. It's the one that I love posting to most often. And, um, and I use the uh, Instagram stories every Sunday at our church, Uh, the the photos and the the video, they don't have to be as high quality. I'll use a boomerang from every now and then and throw in some uh, emojis and some filters. And it's just a, it's just a fun channel that um, it really is two different social media apps in one now with. uh, So it's, Going back to Twitter, though, because you know, it's, it's lagging behind for everybody at this point, but you had to have been one of the first people on Twitter because I know you spell Jeremy differently than most, um, but you, how many people have their Twitter handle be their first name? <laughs> uh, my original Twitter handle was Sons Webmaster. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then I changed it to Jay McPeak years later, um, and then I was able to uh, negotiate to get my first name from somebody okay. that really wasn't using it very often. And after that, I, I tried to do the same thing on Instagram and, and was successful and, and did the you same thing. Teach me your ways, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. We, if we could grab at that CC first, someone had it and then they got suspended and now Twitter won't give it to us, even though oh, no. they're suspended. It's like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, if you have anybody at Twitter, let us know. I'll put in a good word. <laughs> yeah. I'll get, I'll, I'll call somebody. <laughs> Um, Facebook was the best story though. I, I, uh, found the guy who had, uh, my first name on Facebook for his brand page. And he was a hip hop artist, um, or uh, up and coming wannabe hip hop artist, I should say in Philadelphia. And so I asked him, Hey, would you be willing to, uh, give me your, your name? Cause I'm starting this business. I'd love to use it. And he said, no, I, I use it for my personal brand for my music. And I said, yeah, but you don't, you don't have the same name on Instagram and Twitter. So you're inconsistent. It would help you if you had the same thing. And uh, he still wasn't interested. And so I offered him an autographed jersey. He said, no, Um, he wasn't a sports fan. So um, I said, would you sell it? Can I buy it from you? And he said, uh, no, but you know what? Since you do social media, if you can help me with my personal brand um, and teach me how to use social a little better, I'll give it to you. What? I said, great. I'd be happy to do that. I said, give me a month. Let me put together a little presentation for you. Give you some ideas, really audit your stuff. Uh, at the end of the month, I got it all ready, and I went to his Facebook page to take a screenshot to put in my deck, and the page was now owned by someone in the Philippines. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, so I reached back out to him and found out that he gave it up the same day he agreed to, and in the meantime, what? someone in the Philippines had grabbed it, <laughs> whose name wasn't even Jeremy, which is the funniest part of all. So, so I spent the past six months trying to negotiate with somebody in the Philippines who spoke very broken English. Um, and just finally got him a couple weeks ago to agree to give it to me. Um, and in exchange, I'm supposed to send him a gift, but now I can't get him to uh, tell me what his address is. He doesn't seem to understand what I'm asking <laughs> about sending him something. Wow. So I'm uh, you got it. It's yours now. I do have it. I've got to get across <laughs> all three channels now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because Van is not being used on Instagram. It's gone. I mean, it's, it's saying, you know, it's somebody else is using it, but the account doesn't exist. And then the guy on Twitter is just like, Hey, yeah, I'll add you to the list of people that want to buy my account. (laughs) Just the three letters van. Yeah. Oh man. That'd be so cool. (laughs) At least my one I got van on was vine and you see what, you know what happened there. Uh, (laughs) That's on vine. That would have been great. Yep. Vine.co slash van gone. Oh, well. Well, we digressed, but um, that was a tangent. <laughs> it was, but you know, 
Last question as far as, you know, you've got an older, you said older congregation, but um, what's been, since you came on and you started working with the pastor, where have you seen the the biggest bump in, in user engagement? What's, you know, from going from what they were doing on Facebook to what you're doing now, is it simply just being consistent in the posting that's helped grow the page or, or have, has he made a, an announcement from the stage that, Hey, we're going to be more active. What what's working really well for you guys from the growth standpoint? No, there has not been any announcements from the stage yet. Although I, I continue to ask if, if we can do that one of these weeks, um, our pastor um, actually is not a big fan of social media himself and he likes to tease me about it. And um, so he'll make jokes once in a while about social media. So I, I'm always hoping uh, one of these times after, after he makes the joke, he will then throw in, but follow us. On yeah. These- yeah. Yeah. Just show them that your reach on Facebook is bigger than the entire church. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we get, yeah, as soon as we get there, I, I will do that for sure. There you go. No, but um, I think, I think the, the biggest key is just consistency, uh, regularly posting um, new content, different types of content, mixing it up and um, yeah, being consistent. And then if you can, uh, as a church, put a little bit of money once in a while behind key posts on Facebook, and that could be $5 or $10, but to boost it, to try and reach more people either uh, that are currently already uh, following your page on Facebook or friends of theirs or people in that live within, you know, five miles of the church, which is what we're doing right now this week for Easter, where we've got uh, a number of different campaigns. We're running ad campaigns as well as boosted posts all to people right around our church, um, trying to get the word out that uh, we've got four services and would love to have people join us. So um, I think, uh, all those things are key, but the consistency is probably the biggest thing. Just, just regularly posting content, um, getting it out there and, and kind of engaging with the people that also comment or like your posts or maybe tag you in their post. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful that you're in the position that you're in. I think, you know, learning from, you know, for churches to learn from the professional world, whether it's sports or business, um, is key. And one day who knows, you know, maybe the, the church will be using digital, to tell the best story in the world um, one day. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm real thankful for you using your talents, you know, at the local level at the church and, and joining us all in the trenches as far as trying to spread the gospel, Jeremy, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm uh, like I said, humbled to be able to do it and um, wish I had more time to, to do it even more for our church and other churches, but I'm glad I got a chance to join you guys today and, and share my story. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's been our pleasure. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to That Church Podcast with Justin Dean and Van Baird. Visit us at thatcc.com for additional resources for church communicators.